Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior Analyst for ETF.com. This week, we got a special episode for you all. We're recording this at the Exchange Conference in Miami Beach, Florida. And not only that, we got the perfect guest for today, Will Ryan, founder and CEO of Granite Shares an up-and-coming ETF issuer that just surpassed $2 billion in assets under management. Will, welcome to the show, and congratulations on passing $2 billion in assets under management. Sameet, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. So, Will, that's absolutely well-deserved, $2 billion. But I want to start off by talking about the conference that we're at. We're at the tail end of the exchange conference here in Miami Beach, Florida. And as always, it's been fun and it's been informative. Can you tell us a little bit about what your conference experience has been like? What are people talking about? And what are the big themes that are out there? I think the um, experience for me was good. I mean, hectic as always. I feel like I've kind of lost my voice already by the uh, the end of the uh, the two days or so. But a lot of noise, a lot of chatter about um, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. You know, That was a big theme, I think, in, in terms of the industry over the last few months. And then outside of that, I think just generally quite a lot of optimism about this year more broadly um, for all asset classes. Um, And I think that sort of, you know, transpired into the meetings, then the conversations that people are having that I think people feel quite decent about this year and the prospects for it. That's great to hear. Now, Will, whenever I run into you, I like to ask you about gold because you're very well-versed in that metals market. Obviously, you were the CEO of the sponsor of the Spider Gold Shares, GLD. And now you have a gold ETF of your own, the Granite Shares Gold Trust, ticker symbol BAR. I saw the price chart of gold recently, and a few months ago, it looked like it was about to break out over 2,100, close to record highs. But more recently, it's pulled back you know, below $2,000. What's your take on gold and whatever is going on in that market today? I think a little bit of that is that you know gold has still been very resilient. We're over two thousand um, dollars announced today, but you're right; it's pulled back from the all-time high a little bit, and I think that goes hand in hand with what's happening with the market and the direction of interest rates, and so perhaps you know the market feeding on. Some comments from the Fed that you know may lean towards less aggressive rate cuts than perhaps expected or predicted um, this year, and that has reflected a little bit in the gold price. I think you know for gold to to really break out, I think we'd need to have a situation where, from an interest rate perspective, that the Fed starts to cut interest rate perhaps um, beyond market expectations. But you know again. Leaving aside interest rates in the macro, we have a lot of geopolitical risk you know, in that price as well. And so with the situation in the Middle East, the war obviously in Ukraine still going on, uh, heightened political tensions with China, you know, these are all things that um, are keeping you know, investors on their toes and keeping the price of gold sort of elevated at this sort of 2000-ish level. That makes a lot of sense. But of course, Will, gold has somewhat been overshadowed by another, what people are calling a safe haven asset, which is Bitcoin. Obviously, we had the launch of the spot Bitcoin ETFs recently. Do you think that gold and Bitcoin could coexist as dual safe havens or are they competitors? 
they are competitors a little bit, but I do think that um, you know people have at least you know in the relatively recent history of Bitcoin learned that um, Bitcoin's much more of a speculative asset class, whereas gold is much more defensive. And so, you know, when we all like to talk about Bitcoin, clearly when the price is going up, um, but people like to talk about it less when the price is going down. And, you know, what happened over the last few years with FTX, etc., I think has shown people just how volatile it can be. And perhaps the store value argument is just not there for, for Bitcoin in the same way that it is for gold. So I, I think that, you know, there will always be room for both. They're both you know, alternative, you know, asset classes, if you will, to stocks and bonds. Um, but I think people will continue to own gold uh, as a sort of safe haven store of value. Central banks own gold, for example. I don't see central banks um, owning Bitcoin in that same way. And so I think the, the market will happily coexist, but there's different applications, you know, for different users. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Uh, will central banks ever own Bitcoin? And it sounds like you don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because a big part about gold and what makes it so strong is there's a wide variety of use cases, jewelry, central banks, physical investment, ETF investment. It doesn't seem like Bitcoin has such a wide variety of holders. Obviously, that is broadening out a bit with the ETFs. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, there's also the, the political element you know, here, which clearly is one of the main reasons people loved or like Bitcoin in the first place, and that it competes directly with governments in the sense that central banks, um, mints, but governments, you know, print money, governments issue their own currency. And in a way, you know, Bitcoin competes directly with that. And so I think that uh, there's always that natural sort of state of conflict you know, with governments and the question of, you know, whether central banks or whether governments will, will try and ban Cryptocurrency ban Bitcoin. Um, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. That's a great point. So, Will Bar is your largest ETF today, but the way things are going, it could be surpassed by another one of your funds, the Granite Shares Long Nvidia Daily ETF ticker symbol NVDL. This fund has seen some phenomenal performance. It's up something like one thousand percent since the start of twenty twenty three, and it has six hundred million dollars in assets under management. Will, this is just crazy stuff we're seeing with NVIDIA and the single stock ETF that's tied to that stock. Do you think this move is sustainable? Well, that is obviously probably remains to be seen. But I do think that the company you know, has performed extraordinarily well, you know, has crushed it in terms of earnings um, really since the beginning of last year. When obviously the AI, so the interest in AI took off, and while we wait for you know most recent um, Nvidia earnings, the Q4 earnings, which is coming up, you know any any day now, um, we have to remember that Nvidia's performance has been so spectacular that it's overtaken Amazon as now the fourth largest company in the United States. Um, so it really really incredible. But I think underpinning it, you know, AI is real. That is the strongest theme right now, if you want to look at it that way, from a investing perspective. And a company like NVIDIA that is making the you know, so-called picks and shovels for the AI you know, market uh, is performing extraordinarily well. And the revenue numbers that they're posting 
reflect the demand for you know the chips gpus that they're making absolutely it's been an incredible run we'll see if it continues after the upcoming earnings so Obviously, with NVGL, will uh, single stock ETFs represent quite a big portion of your assets under management? Is it fair to say that you think single stock ETFs are going to stick around and they're going to be a hefty part of your business moving forward? I, I hope so. Um, and you know, single stock ETFs are just a extension of an already very popular um, asset class or popular sector within the ETF world, and that's leveraged ETFs. And so leveraged ETFs on broad equity indices, on broad fixed income ETFs or fixed income indices have been very popular, been around for well over a decade. And now extending that to individual companies is just a natural, you know, natural extension of the asset class. So very popular products, um, you know, in a, in a way, what we're doing is really disrupting margin investing, traditional margin investing. And like anything where you apply ETFs, you end up with an outcome that is more efficient and easier or user-friendly. So 2X NVIDIA, Coinbase, whatever, Tesla, all of these sort of popular names, to go long and short using an ETF is a lot more efficient than doing it in a traditional margin account. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the cost efficiency of these leveraged ETFs? Obviously, if you buy a stock on margin in your brokerage account, I checked Fidelity recently, they're charging 10, 12%. Is it cheaper to do, you know, leveraged investing through these ETFs? Absolutely. It's not just cheaper. It's um, way more efficient, meaning that, you know, there are so many different intricacies with a margin account that the interest rate is just one of them. Then there's the amount of margin that's going to be charged by the broker um, that you have to put up in terms of collateral. You may not be able to short um, a, a particular stock at all, uh, but if you are, it's likely subject to a lot of um, sort of terms and conditions. And it's very, it's just very clunky, inefficient, and expensive. The other thing about ETFs is that if you're short, in particular, um, using an ETF, the maximum risk of loss is your initial investment amount, and while no one wants to lose all their money. It's an important point to make because the difference between that and traditional margin investing is a traditional margin account. You can expose yourself to theoretically unlimited losses. So the ETF is a much safer way to do it. And I think that's part of the reason why it's popular. But in terms of cost efficiency, you know, you can be, you're in control of the ETF. So you can buy and sell it whenever you want. And indeed, you know, if you, if you even to buy and sell it intraday, you know, it's technically free. Um, bar the bid offer spread. So it's very popular to a lot of traders in the market that um, you know looking for leverage, getting access to it, uh, and can trade you know very efficiently in and out. Great points. And you mentioned, Will, that the NVIDIA ETF has two times leverage. If I'm not mistaken, when it first launched, it was a little bit lower than that one and a half times. So can you tell us why that's gone up and whether it can continue to go up maybe to three times in the future. Yeah, so th this was a kind of a quirk really in terms of how um, the leverage worked vis-a-vis uh, -vis the regulations and not to kind of get deep into the weeds in terms of the actual specifics of it, but suffice to say um, we started out with 1.5 times leverage and then we're able to increase that over time um, and we were now at two times. I think 
two times is the ceiling. Um, from a regulatory perspective, we can't go higher than that. Um, but now the strategy has been out there for a while. Really, the goal is to have more of these products trading at uh, two times leverage, which is really what customers were asking for kind of from the beginning. Gotcha. So, Will, NVIDIA isn't the only tech stock that skyrocketed over the past year. Tech more broadly has delivered some phenomenal returns, boosting the performance of ETFs like the triple Qs. You have a fund which targets a similar area as the Qs, the Granite Shares NASDAQ Disruptors ETF, ticker symbol DRUP. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so DRUP or DRUP as we call it, um, is the shorthand for Disruptors and the Disruption ETF. So this ETF is all about trying to capture the theme of technological disruption. And it's a 50 stock portfolio. So it aims to capture the top 50 most disruptive companies in the US. And those companies are measured by NASDAQ. So it's a NASDAQ index. And each company in the 500 largest um, companies are scored. And there's a series of uh, metrics that are used to score each company. And then the top 50 are selected for the DRUP portfolio. Gotcha. So, Will, you recently crossed $2 billion in assets under management. You have over a dozen ETFs on the market today. What can we expect from you in the future? I think for us at the moment, the, the focus is on you know, trying to build out the leveraged single stock um, platform. There's still more names that we'd like to deliver. There's a lot of names that we get asked for by customers all the time. You know, people are looking for for more exposure to exciting companies. I think the AI theme uh, in that, you know, we mentioned NVIDIA two times NVIDIA. And while performance has been amazing, um, it was actually our two times Coinbase um, that was the best performing ETF that we had last year because Bitcoin went on that incredible run. And Coinbase obviously went on that incredible run in the last few months of last year um, on the back of the anticipation around Bitcoin ETFs being approved and, and uh, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of exciting things happening. I think the, the market rally um, is kind of broadening a little bit um, outside of just the, the Magnificent Seven or the largest tech companies and earnings across the board for Q4, I think have been pretty decent. Um, so expect more companies more leverage single stocks to come out, providing more exposures to not just the tech companies, but other companies out there in the market. Um, but very much, you know, as, as we always do, we'll be led by, you know, what the, uh, what the market wants and uh, what our customers you know, say that they're most interested in. Fantastic. Well, we're going to keep an eye on all of that. Will, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks to me. Absolute pleasure. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fighters episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.